This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com. I am here with the lovely, 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 one of our favorite publishers on the network, Angie Machado from Beaver Blitz. Angie, this might be the last time we get to deal with each other. <laughs> I know. It's so sad. I I mean, even just thinking about this game Saturday, it's the last time like a pack, like it could be the last pac 12 game at Reeser yeah, or the me, first year of the future. Yeah. Let me tell you some things I'll miss and I won't miss. All right. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. We'll miss you. Of course. We'll miss the people that you've always, you've always had great people working for you. The people down in Corvallis are always outstanding people. They're just always gracious. I will not miss the press box food. I've learned that uh, most 99% of the press box food sucks, but uh, Corvallis seems to a whole different level. No, you know what they've done now though, Kim is now you just get vouchers and you can go pick whatever you want down in the uh, stadium. Oh yeah. Okay. I'm going to, I'll stop it in and out in Kaiser on the way. Okay. There you go. Perfect. I, I got a love-hate relationship with uh, when the sun goes down and the uh, smell of Alderwood smoke starts coming into the stadium. It's kind of cool, but then, you know, it gets really old. But the thing I will not miss, you want to know what I w- definitely will not miss? The chainsaw. Yeah, won't miss that. By the way, at practice on Tuesday, I believe it was, they had a guy running around with a portable speaker putting that chainsaw sound in their face. I mean, go right up to their face mask and just put it right in their face, which I thought was pretty funny. Anyways, uh, this big move to the, well, we're going to the Big Ten. And you guys, I'm not sure what's going on. You're just in a big money grab, trying to grab as much money as you can. Can't say I blame you. Is it tough being kind of in limbo like you guys are right now? Yeah, it is. But, you know, I'll tell you, I I feel a lot better about Oregon State situation now than I did in August. Um, In fact, you know, there's all this talk, you know, that back in August, I would have told you that the big plan would be to try to find a spot in the Big 12. And now I actually think being independent with Washington State for two years makes the most sense. Are you going to schedule a game with Oregon? Is that game going to happen every year? I don't think so. I I don't think so. Um, I think Oregon would like it because it'd be nice not to have to travel. Um, like the Big 12 or Big 10 is going to make make them travel. But um, I don't see that happening. Um, Oregon has a full schedule. It would take some maneuvering around. I know Beaver fans have a very strong sentiment not to play the Ducks, uh, especially in football. But we will have to wait and see on that one. Washington's got an open spot next year. And Washington State's balking not wanting to come to Washington. I think Oregon State would love to come up to Seattle. I, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe. You never know. Yeah, it's funny because Ohio State was originally on the schedule for next year, and then they opted out and paid Washington a half a million dollars. And then a couple months later, they're in the same conference. So this whole thing is just crazy. It it is completely crazy. Tell me where the game is. I'll show up. Exactly. I mean, that's the end of the day. That's you know, you and I. That's what we get to do. We just we're covering this team. You know, whether they're, you know, the big narrative today though is you know the national media is running with this kind of a scheduling alliance with the the Mountain West. And I hear that's not the 
plan A. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's a big, nice narrative that the Mountain West commissioner is trying to push. But um, that doesn't really make sense for the Cougs and, and the Beavs, to be completely honest. So, um, you know, I think that was a plan that if that happens, the Mountain West then would want to kind of in two years be absorbed into the pack too. And that doesn't make financial competitive sense at all. So um, I'm hearing Oregon state and Washington state will go independent for two years. Uh, you know, have like five or six power four teams, five or six G five teams. Um, uh, like Oregon state has Idaho state on the schedule for next year anyway. So you keep that one. Um, that's kind of the direction I'm hearing. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, but uh, they're, they're going to need to release a schedule here you know, within the next two to three weeks. It'll be interesting. And also, you know, we've gotten into the season of coaching carousel with Chip, rumors of Chip Kelly um, being let go. Boise State's opened up. Uh, San Diego State has opened up. Um, Mississippi State, and we're expecting a lot more openings come up soon. Texas A&M, and yeah, it just seems Michigan like Jon- yeah, Jonathan Smith's name is going to be mentioned. But honestly, I don't see Jonathan leaving and going anywhere. I don't either. I, I don't either. I know he's been involved in the plan um, going forward and they, they're not keeping him in the dark here. Um, yeah. I, I keep hearing UCLA is going to make a big play for him. I, I don't UCLA, if they have to buy out Chip Kelly, they're already in the red. I don't know where they're going to come up with more money, but um, yeah, I don't mil, know. I mean, four mil if at, in December. So that's not, okay. Is that what it is? Okay. So it's, it's not, not, I I read 30, but I guess that's probably now. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it'll be interesting to see what happens. There's a lot going on. And I think if there's a, a solid plan in place, um, you know, now will Oregon State be able to keep their entire staff? Probably not. But, I, you know, I, I every year I expect one or two to go. I think the keys for Oregon State is keeping Coach Smith, keeping Jim Mahalachek, the O-line coach and an assistant head coach, and then also Trent Bray, the defensive coordinator. I, how about Brian Lindgren, the offensive coordinator? You know, I, I don't worry about that as much, you know, um, just because – Coach Smith is is an offensive guy. So, right. you know, at some level, Lindgren is going to probably want to go and take a head coaching job. So that doesn't concern me um, because I think Coach Smith has that offensive background. Um, we'll be able to to find a good candidate to, to backfill that. Now, I, I think the defensive coordinator under defense under Trent Bray has just shown um, how, how good that's been. And then to see what Mahalachek has done year in, year out, um, recruiting and, and coaching that O-line, I think, is, is a key. Do you realize that Mahalchek was actually at Washington for a while? Was he? Because he yes. played at Washington State. Well, he was a kook, and and he played, or he was a coach at Oregon State back in the two thousand year too. Yeah, he got uh, hired by Sark, and then two days later, the Raiders offered him a job, and he left. I okay. think he was here for two days. Okay. okay, there you go. There you have it. <laughs> two days with for uh, the offensive line coach Jim Mahalchek, but I think the only people don't understand um, Jonathan a little bit. Jonathan's really happy down at Oregon State. His yeah. wife is happy. He's got how many kids? Three, four, he has five? three kids. Three, you know, and and I, I know his oldest is my my youngest's age. Um, play, you know, is a sophomore in high school. Plays baseball, football. Um, is very entrenched. I mean, I, I think about if I was to try to move, you know, my kid now as a sophomore, it would be hell so um yeah. i do I, I think there's there's a lot of good things about oregon state corvallis i mean this is where he played yep. um he has a really pretty a really good contract now if things kind of turn sideways here and the future doesn't look maybe as solid ground as as you know it, it looks potential and not i'm not saying solid ground but honestly is anything solid right now kim i mean two years the acc could blow up too so um i mean i, I don't think we're done with this whole no. you know, realignment stuff. And I think, I think 
that there's some inherent major flaws with all the these West Coast teams going to the Big 12 and Big 10 that I think, uh, and maybe not football, because football can charter and everything else, but the other schools, the other programs, um, I, I do. I, I think there's going to be kind of a maybe a shift back to some regionality at some point, and and I see that more happening once the ACC, you know, SEC and Big Ten come in and, and start poaching that. Um, I, I think there's just a lot kind of to go on. So if Oregon State and Washington Washington State can kind of tread water here um, for two years, I, I think there is a shot of of rebuilding this pack pack ten, pack eight, pack ten, pack twelve, whatever it happens to be. Yeah, the, the only job I could see Jonathan possibly even listening to is if somebody uh, poached Kalen DeBoer away from Washington. I know that I know that he would take the call. I don't know that he would move, but uh, Washington might interest him in taking that over. But uh, I think Kalen DeBoer is going to get his contract done here before the end of the year. So, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. And I'm still mad at your uh, school president, by the way. I'm I'm, I'm really kind of mad at the school president for not having a backbone and making Jonathan Smith apologize for the signals to milk the clock. Oh, <laughs> he did though. He did apologize. I know the president made him is what I, I heard. Know. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. That was, it's made some good memes though. Oh God. 99% of the people thought it was hysterical. And It is. And you know, Jonathan, I mean, you and I know him and you know how probably totally humiliated he is when he saw that, that it was like viral after that game. It made him seem normal. Yes. Yes. I mean, yeah, I, I, it was hilarious. And, and you know what, you know, you and I've covered him for so long and he, he's been so buttoned up, but I think the past several weeks, we've actually started to see more Jonathan Smith, like the real guy. And oh, it, it's been fun to see. He took a shot at coach Huff up here. Did you, did you hear about that? No, no, no. He was on Softy's show up here and uh, Softy was talking to him and Softy knows Jonathan really well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so he was talking about Kalen and uh, Jonathan's, you know, Scott Huff's the offensive line coach, and they worked together for years at Boise State and are really good friends. And he said he questioned uh, Kalen DeBoer's decision making in that he would allow Scott Huff on the coaching staff up here. Huh. Okay. <laughs> See? And then he was talking about, you know, how, you know, Coach Smith does like to gamble. Uh, you know, fourth downs and there was a, the play down in um, Arizona, the fake field goal. And there's been some different, you know, different question, questioning calls. But he brought out the old blackjack analogy a couple weeks ago. So, yeah, <laughs> he's uh, he's a good dude. It was funny because, uh, you know, the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator always seemed to be the easiest target. And oh, yeah, nobody liked Jonathan when he was up here, but boy, they sure liked him when he left. So, oh, it's... yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like the quarterback, you know, the most, you know, it's easy to to pile on hate to the offensive and defensive coordinators. So um, kind of like the backup quarterback is always the most popular guy in the locker room. Until he plays, and then they know why Until he's Until he plays, backup. exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's why. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Jake Kaner. They found out the hard way when they benched uh, Jake Browning for a series, and Jake Kaner promptly comes in and throws a pick <laughs> six. Well, yep, that's why yep. he doesn't play. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. 
For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Uh, we got a 4.30 kickoff down in Corvallis. I haven't even looked at the weather. Am I bringing my rain gear, Angie, or not? You are bringing rain gear. Oh, it God. looks It's just getting worse and worse, it looks like, with rain. So um, it's, it's going to be a big one. I mean, this is where I, I think the, the run game is going to be pretty crucial for, for both teams. Yeah, no, it'll be big. Um, you know, uh, Oregon State now ranked number 10 in the country. Washington stuck there at number five, right behind Florida State. But I think the big question coming into the game is, will Washington be able to stop Oregon's running attack? And uh, I asked one of the guys today if he'd ever uh, tackled a 250-pound quarterback. And he just kind of looked at me and said, no. So uh, tell me about this vaunted running game that uh, Oregon State is running. And uh, can, is it DJ? Ooh, ooh, you say his last name. I can't pronounce it. So okay, um, we, we actually just call him DJ U because, um, and, you know, DJ is just, he, just a, he's been a gem to cover. You know, he, he was a, the number two prospect in the 2020 class right behind Bryce Young. He came out of St. John Bosco, went to Auburn or Clemson. Um, started three years at Clemson and it didn't go well for him. And so he reached out to Oregon state in December and um, you know, he initiated the call and it's been a really good fit. So um, yeah, six, he's six, four, two fifty four is what he's listed quarterback. But so uh, Oregon state will use him in short down situations, but uh, you know, it's really a two headed monster at running back with Damian Martinez and uh, Deshaun Fenwick. The, the two of them are, um, kind of a one-two punch for the Beavers, and uh, Damian just hit, hit his thousand-yard mark last week, and and Deshaun Fenwick as a career just hit two thousand yards. So um, this is a very very good running back duo. And then, like I said, then you throw in DJ on those short, you know, third and short or fourth and short, and you know, it all kind of stems though from the strength of Oregon State's offense, which is the offensive line. And Jim Mahalchek, you know, the offensive line coach there is as good as anybody in the country. And you've got an All-American probable first-round draft pick over there at right tackle as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're looking at that. I mean, Tolly has just moved up the draft boards. He's, last I saw, I think, seven on seventh overall pick. Um, Joshua Gray is a four-year starter at the left tackle spot. Jake Levengood, we're expecting him back um, this week at center. He's another four-year starter. So just a real veteran group. And uh they, they can open holes. They can pass protect. Um, this is a really a strong, strong unit for Oregon State. How is the passing game with with you? I'm just going to call him you. How, how is the passing DJU. game? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so much better than it was a year ago. Um, you know, Oregon State still struggles a bit in that they don't have any of those big wide receiver targets. So Oregon State's going to rely a lot on, uh, you know, the the short, fast guys, which has kind of been Oregon State's M.O. for years, really, yeah. when you when you think back to Mike Riley and James Rogers and, and some of those guys. So you, you'll see a lot of quick outs, quick slants, some fly sweeps in there, which we haven't seen a lot of the past couple of weeks. And I don't know if that's, in my opinion, that's just because they're kind of saving them for the last two games of the season. Um, but yeah, you're going to see a lot of motion from Oregon State's receivers. But DJ has shown a great ability to, you know, make his reads. And uh, I mean, he can make some incredible throws. Last week, he was about to get sacked. He was in motion off his back foot, falling backwards and, and completed a 34 a yard pass. So um, he is he is very good at what he does. Um, you know, he's, he's taken a bad rap, but he's 
you know, one of the top 10 pastors in the, in the country. So um, he is a, a, you know, strong arm makes his reads and a name that Husky fans will probably want to keep an eye on because Oregon state's passing game is receivers are shorter is the tight end Jack Velling out of Seattle prep. So yep. uh, a guy out of the Se- out of the Huskies backyard has come up big eight touchdowns on the year for him. And um, he has kind of become the, the red zone target for DJ. With the two losses on Oregon state's uh, resume with Arizona and Washington state. Um, how different is this team right now to the team that lost those two games? Yeah. That, so, you know, you look at that, both of those games were a three point loss. So Oregon State's lost both games by a total of six points this year. Both were on the road. Washington State was the first Pac-12 game of the season, and, and it's a different Cougars team now. So um, that that was a, that one stung and they just really came out the first half and, and looked bad. They just didn't look ready. Whereas Wash, or Arizona, you know, Arizona is kind of starting to surge now, but you know, you go back to that game, and at the end of this, at, at the end of the first half, Oregon State had a chance to kick a field goal, and Coach Smith called a fake field goal call. And I, you know, I don't understand. This was the big, big one that really got Beaver fans kind of, kind of shack their hackles raised was the fact that they they had the kicker try to run twenty six yards for a touchdown when D, when uh, Damian Martinez hadn't even broke a twenty yard run. So, um, kind of a strange call. And then Oregon State ends up losing by three points. So. That's a, a hindsight, coulda, woulda, shoulda there. But this is a team that is completely different at home. And so um, this game on a road could maybe, you know, fare different. I think this game, you know, USC last year was probably the most ruckus I have heard research stadium maybe ever. And that was with half a stadium uh, this year. I think this Husky game, I, I think it's going to blow noise and everything right out of the water. Yeah, and hearing reports that uh, they've gone to the fire department to see how many standing room only tickets they can sell. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. You know, uh, there's a senior day. Um, there's going to be a lot of emotion, not only for senior day, but last Pac-10 game, Pac-12 game. I'm um, at Reeser. I, I think there's a lot of um, chips on shoulders here from from Oregon State and and the fan base. So um, this is going to be rowdy. It's going to be loud, and uh, you know, I people keep talking about. What, was it 2007, I guess, at Reeser, um, where they called a, a touchdown back, Evanson Bernard at the goal line, and, and the, fa- the fan base booed for like 30 minutes straight. Um, it could be as loud as that, is what I'm hearing. People are, are pretty jacked about this game. Yeah, you mentioned Trent Bray. He's got a great defense. Uh, tell me a little bit about this uh, defense that he's running. Yeah, you know, Oregon State, we, we came into the season really thinking that the secondary was going to be the big question mark. They lost a lot of talent there with Jaden Jaden Grant was a God. I think he'd been there seven years um, because of COVID and then a, a medical hardship. Um, they lost Alex Austin to the NFL and then Rajon Wright. So this was a team replacing three starters from a year ago, and um, they've actually stepped up big. You know, Jaden Robinson has done amazing things. Another Washington kid from the state of Washington, Gatano Ladapo is, is a leader there. Had his first two interceptions last week of the season. So um, at safety, so he's another one to watch. But you know it's really starting to click in the front seven. So that's that's where, you know, Oregon State, I think this game is going to really depend on how much of a pass rush, you know, a Sione Lolohea or Andrew Chatfield can get on Michael Penix. Um, Calvin Hart and Easton Mascarenas at the middle linebacker spot are, are really starting to, to step up. So that, I think, you know, in a nutshell is what this game comes down to, is how much of a pass rush and how much pressure can Oregon State get on Penix and maybe force him into some bad decisions. Yeah, and when I look at this game, I take a look where I think Oregon State 
is um, I think they're comparable to uh, what Utah does. Um, but I think Oregon State throws the ball much better than Utah. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. Yeah. I think Oregon's got a really good defense, a real good offensive line, big guys up front. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, Utah can run the ball real well. Oregon State can run the ball real well. But I think um, Oregon State's offense is better than Utah. But I think Utah might have a little bit better of a defense. But, you know, it's going, I think it's going to be an interesting game because um, Washington, eh, it's got a little bit of a chip on their shoulder with uh, the rankings coming out and uh, not being able to move up in the rankings, being able to beat three top 25 teams. And then they also beat Michigan state on the road. They beat USC on the road. Who's not ranked. So I think Washington has got that. Uh, we need to build our resume thing though. Is that going to be yeah. able to happen to Oregon state on the road? I don't know, but I think, I it don't just know. Makes, I know. It's, it just, I know. I think both teams are, are hungry right now. Yeah, I think they're both real hungry, and that's why there's just so many things in here. And and Scott Huff, the offensive um, line coach at Washington, is also involved quite a bit in the offense. He knows Jonathan Smith better than anybody, and that's yeah. what makes it so interesting because he knows what Jonathan's going to do, but then Jonathan will throw some wrinkles in there just to mess with him. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's just it. There's, there's the gamesmanship. I mean, you know, we were talking just in the lodge the other day about the Oregon-Arizona State game, and you know, I, I do think Oregon's the better team there, but Kenny Dillingham is going to know some tendencies there and um, it might make things, dif- you know, interesting. So same with same with Washington. There's there's some, you know, some knowledge there and, and some familiarity that um, could help both teams. Yeah, no, funny things happen in Corvallis and Oregon better be ready because funny stuff always happens in the desert, too. But there's always it always seems to be something, you know, uh, funny that going on down in uh, down in Corvallis. So that's what's going to be interesting health wise. Talk to me a little bit about Oregon State. Everybody healthy? Anybody doubtful? Anybody missing that uh, is going to make a difference? No, in fact, you know, Beavers have been without Jake Levengood since the Arizona game. Um, we do expect him back this week. He's the center. Um, and then Ryan Cooper Jr. has missed some time this year, but we do expect him to be full speed too as well. He's a nickelback cornerback safety kind of plays several positions for Oregon State secondary. So um, Oregon State is relatively healthy right now. I mean, you're, you're week 12, so you're always going to have some bumps and bruises, but I do think Oregon State is about as healthy as they've been all season. You know, same with Washington. We'll see Jalen McMillan, the All-American wide receiver. Um, he's been out for a little bit. He tried to play a little bit last week, but he's got a knee thing going on and he didn't look real comfortable with it. So, but Washington's wide receiver room's pretty loaded anyway. So uh, J- Jeremy Bernard's been stepping up in that place, but getting uh, Jalen McMillan back, I think will be, uh, would be huge. And then uh, they also look as healthy as they have in a while. It's kind of wild to get this far into the season and be as healthy as they are for both teams. Yeah. Yeah. But I like that. I mean, I, I, I don't like matchups, especially this big, you know, if, if one team's missing, you know, some of their best players. So Full speed, full full speed ahead. Let's uh, line up and, and see what happens. Which game are you more excited about, the Washington game or the Oregon game? Washington. Really? Yeah. I mean, I, I honestly think Oregon State has a decent chance, you know, especially being at home. Washington, um, good team, and I think it's going to be close. But um, I, I think the home field, is it's just been so – Oregon State's only lost one game in three years at Research Stadium. So um, it's uh, it's been a kind of a house of horrors for, for opposing – opposing teams. So I, I think there's some added motivation. I Oregon, you know, it's at Autzen. I, I just don't know. I, I don't know what will happen there. But um I, I do think this is I mean, how can what how can you better script it? Oregon State's finishing the year with Washington and Oregon. I I, I mean, 
they can they can play spoilers for both teams or you know it, it could be big so um it'll be interesting i mean i think i think both teams match up i think Oregon State matches up well with both teams so um i think it could be a coin flip as, as to how these these games end up i'm kind of surprised we missed the 730 time slot for this game well, but they got the 4:30 ABC <laughs> slot, so I know. But I thought for Game sure they decides all... to go to to James Madison. But you know, hey, that's... all season long, I had anticipated this game being 7:30 at night. And by the way, why is it that every time Washington and Oregon play, Oregon State play, every time Washington and Oregon State play, the weather sucks? I know. Every time, I know. Every time, it, it's gonna it's gonna be nasty and um, rainy, and so I and and it's funny because I. Earlier in the week, it looked like the rain was going to just be some sprinkles, So, which I was happy because I really want to see both teams be able to pass the ball. And now it's looking more like it's going to have to be a, a, a ground and pound if, if the rain's going to be as heavy as they're saying. So, um, But you know what? For Washington, that's not a big deal. You guys get rain up there, too. It's You know, you like to see a lot of rain when, like, ASU comes to town or Arizona because, you know, they're kind of – they're kind of babies when it comes to that. Well, last week uh, in Husky Stadium against Utah, it was the wind. I mean, okay. it was the wind. Well, wind last year when Oregon State was up in Seattle, too. That right. was a, the big one. Well, yeah, it's just bad weather. Oregon State. Yeah, but, but Oregon State can handle it, right? Bad weather, you. Husky, bad yeah, weather. I mean, <laughs> it, it just you just deal with it. Yeah, that's football. It's not tennis. And, and you guys are going, you know, Washington's going to the Big Ten. It's not like you guys are going to not have any weather, you know, going forward. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just dreading. You know, I I was hoping we would not get Iowa in November in in Iowa, but we're getting Penn State in November in uh, State College, and I'm guessing uh, my, a real good friend of mine went to Penn State, and he goes, "Yeah, it can be a little dicey in November in State College, and there's no easy way to get there." So no, no. And these three hour time zones are crushing when we come back. So yeah, it's going to be yeah, it's going to be hard for everybody. Angie, thanks for jumping on. You know we are always here for anything needed by the people at Beaver Blitz. And uh, look forward to seeing you on yeah, Saturday. Yeah, I can't wait to see you on Saturday. Drive safe. And by the way, Moni says you're her favorite publisher. Well, she's my favorite too. <laughs> all right. For all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grinnells with Angie Machado. Go dogs. <laughs> You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.